0: One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media. And let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. Follow us on Twitter, at Cooper McKim, and at WIPublic Radio with the hashtag Carbon Valley Pod. I'm currently at the Denver International Airport, midday, watching people get off their planes and walk around trying to find a gate that is not too packed so I don't seem crazy, talking to myself. It's September of 2019, and I'm pacing around trying to avoid eye contact with people as I talk to myself in an airport. I'm on my way to Ithaca, New York, home to astronomer Carl Sagan, and more importantly, home to Jason Salfie. I am very eager to finally see carbon capture technology in person. This tech that folks around the world are racing to scale up. For most, to help the climate. But for Wyoming, in time, to help coal. I thought I would see it first in Wyoming. But the competition's delay has pushed things back. But still, I want to know what this tech actually looks like. What are the challenges I can't see from afar? What does a startup trying to make it happen look like? I'm especially interested now that I know what Dimensional wants to do. Try to make the commercial aviation industry greener. One that emits nearly a billion tons of carbon dioxide per year. So, in a trip that even I am surprised to be taking, I can finally explore all that. Oh, and find out for sure if Jason and I are a best friend fit. I'm kind of nervous making sure I can get all of this done in a few days and shadowing him and seeing what their lives are like in a day. But first, I get to experience a layover gone wrong in Washington, D.C., which results in me arriving very late to my Airbnb in suburban Ithaca. Just like that, it is six, no, sorry, 2 a.m.
1: And hoping that this is it.
0: 8.30. I am still very tired. Jason is doing yoga. I wish I was doing yoga and uh, drink drink coffee because I got three some hours of sleep. It's raining as I make my way over to Jason's. I know we've met before, but we've also gotten to know each other so well in the months since then. It's exciting to hang out with Jason again. By now, I know he's thoughtful optimistic, inspires strong reactions from people who know him, someone whom many look up to, helped live a more sustainable life. I walked down a quiet suburban street. For some reason, I had a vision that Jason would live in some chic apartment, walls covered in skateboards with maybe a cool view. Already, this is different. He lives in a quaint, woodsy subdivision on the outside of town. Soon, I find the right address. I see a two-story brown home, not too big, not particularly small, built in the 80s, with neighboring homes pretty close by. There are big sunflowers leaning over the mailbox and thick woods behind the house. This is the type of house I imagined Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes growing up in. I'm also surprised to see there's some construction happening. The front yard is filled with stuff. A giant dumpster, long red metallic roof pieces here and there. I weave my way to the door. Huh. Well, wet from the rain and tired from the no sleep, turns out knocking on the door is kind of like calling Jason. No answer. Five minutes go by with no response. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Carbon Valley. Following the race to develop an unlikely climate solution, I'm Cooper McKim. It's September 2019. The race is on to make carbon capture technology help the climate and or help revive coal demand. So, I travel to finally see one company trying to make it happen in person. I quickly learn there's a long way to go. I'm standing outside Jason's door. And finally, I just decide to open it. Jason? Hey, Jason?
2: Oh, good. What's up man? How you doing? Good. How are you doing?
0: Good. Cool. Is it? Give me a fist bump. Strange to have a reporter from Wyoming in your house? <laughs> uh no. no good. No. <laughs> what are you doing out here?
2: Put a new roof on the house. So uh you yoga it up this morning? I did, yeah. Do you do that every day? Um, do some sort of exercise every day. This week I'm doing yoga every day because I've been doing this roofing project, and, uh... And
0: all of a sudden, with little fanfare, my trip is underway. We settle down in the kitchen as Jason starts to make some iced coffee.
2: Uh, what's, what's your schedule? My schedule is pretty varied because right now I'm splitting my time between uh, dimensional energy and I do, uh... I have a role with NYSERDA, which is the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. as an Right, advisor. Jesus.
0: I always forget he has another job. Jason's an innovation advisor with this state energy authority. One world-changing company ain't enough, huh? I'd like to take note of how weird it is to be in this person's house, who randomly agreed to let me follow him. For years. Jason's in the kitchen, wearing a blue jacket and shorts. So you're putting on a new roof, and... Uh... Maybe you could give me a little tour
2: so you had a rabbit. Yeah, so that's Carmelo. He's probably five or six years old right now. He eats pretty much the same we do. Very locally grown vegetarian diet. Yeah, so, yeah, and the, the roof projects basically, you know, these, these houses are pretty, pretty well insulated. Uh, great passive solar uh, resource here for us. As soon
0: as solar is mentioned, we get talking about sustainability the environment, how solar is just one expression of committing to a more sustainable lifestyle.
2: And, and I think it, like, it's a good message to send to the neighbors. We can all make a little difference.
0: Solar fits into Jason's larger belief in a circular economy, where society more intentionally builds a system where resources aren't just spent, but reused, recycled, in a kind of circular way. This definitely fits with what I've learned about Jason so far. Someone who's always preached sustainability, led a skateboard company that way, taught healthy living to those around him. Now he's putting some words to it, though. He's working towards this larger vision of a circular economy through all these efforts.
2: And we haven't gotten it right yet. So we're trying to address it with Carbon XPRIZE. We're trying to address it with our company, Dimensional Energy, and utilizing carbon dioxide and you know, closing the loop on our industrial carbon cycle
0: Dimensional Energy, the company that Jason hopes could be world-changing. Could stop carbon dioxide from just being wasted, but reused and cycled back into something
2: useful. This is going to be a full new platform, whole new package of managing sunlight energy for the production of chemicals and fuels. It's going to be really badass.
0: Yeah, I mean, the developing IP just sounds like more than a modification, it sounds like This, a, this is all new. A new technology.
2: Yeah. We're, like, we're building the Starship Enterprise here.
0: That was awesome. I'm glad I got to hear that answer. That was Katie, by the way, Jason's wife. I've spent so much time talking to people about Jason. But sitting in his house reminds me he's just a normal guy, whose home reminds me of places I hung out in New Jersey, walls full of family photos, a bunny outside, a library of long-kept books. It strikes me that Jason is just a normal guy. Realizations aside, I only have a few days to spend in Ithaca. And I don't really have a plan. I'm just kind of hopeful that things will happen. Already, it's clear that Jason and I are best friends. So I move on to the technology. I would like to see that, quite badly. Carbon dioxide, if you haven't noticed, has yet to be captured in this series. Is the experiment stuff today?
2: Yeah, they're running experiments with, like, kind of, like, we're running experiments of other people's stuff right now. Okay. You're getting too much into
0: me. Did you hear that? He said, you're getting too much into me.
2: You're getting too much into me.
0: Yeah, good point, actually. How did this happen? More than a year ago, I just thought I'd be following one team as they compete in Wyoming. But it just hasn't happened. And I still really want to learn about this technology so many have put all this hope into carbon capture utilization. See it demonstrated, maybe through this experiment I just heard about. No, I, well, it's my one opportunity to see what your life is like. Yeah,
2: oh, My life is kinda of sore right now.
0: Before heading into the lab, Jason gives me a quick tour, which gives me an even better idea of what his life is like. He runs frequently on a trail behind his house, bikes a lot.
2: And it's dry. You did it. All right, we have a dry garage, that's good.
0: His garage is also full of his love for thrill. It's got bikes, skateboards, a snowboard.
2: Probably the only person in Ithaca to have like one, two, three, four, five, seven surfboards in their garage.
0: And we pass by this little fenced-in area next to his house with a huge adorable bunny in there.
2: So who is this again? That's Carmelo. He's a giant rabbit. You ever see, uh, it? Life of Brian or no. Holy Grail? Monty oh, Python? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you got to watch out, man. He'll, he'll spring out of that cage and tear your face off. <laughs> Are you
0: joking? <laughs> Now we're headed to the lab where after 8 million years, I will finally see carbon capture technology in person. Tech this team hopes could change the carbon footprint of an entire industry one day. I'm sort of expecting a factory looking setup, maybe an airplane hangar type building. I'm excited to see this experiment Jason mentioned too. Apparently they're testing a new catalyst. I don't really know what that means, but I assume it'll show how their tech works, which is exciting. Their whole setup though, I just don't know what to expect. It could be finished and ready to go, or still on a computer. I try to gauge how Jason is feeling before we actually walk into the lab. Have you um, had any evening or day where you were a little bit panicked about progress?
2: Because I have like a panic day every week. (laughs) Dude, we're getting. I've never seen this this parking lot full. Tension. We are getting stuffed. No resolution.
0: Ah! Answer my anxiety questions! After last episode though, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised we're not going down stress road. I just want to know what's been challenging. All I've learned so far is that Jason is not an office person, he says it kills creativity, and that he's really into his roofing project. As we get closer to the lab, Jason tells me this experiment we're going to see is not critical to the tech. Remember, they're testing out this catalyst.
2: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's critical in that, like, it's something that, that we could use in the future. So if it works, we certainly would use it in the future. Um, but nothing we do right now is critical for if, whether or not, we've already got our tech dialed in for XPRIZE. Mm-hmm. Anything we do now will just make it better. This passive
0: comment is a huge discovery to me, because up until this very moment, Jason and Dimensional Energy have been behind in the Carbon X Prize. it seemed. Now Jason is saying they're on track, that their tech is dialed in, then what the heck am I doing here? I'm not sure I totally buy it, though. I've learned by now Jason projects positivity, and is not likely to focus on the negatives. He's got a message in mind, and he's sticking to it. In other words, I predict there is more stress, more cracks in the armor than he is letting on. Lucky for me, I will have some time to watch the team in action, watch this experiment, ask questions, see if they're really on track to take home 7.5 million bucks. Soon, we're in a lab.
2: So, looks like a couple of people here. Marcelo, looks like he's getting ready to run a reaction. Hello.
0: Hi. How you doing? Good. Good to meet you. Can I shake your hand or is it? Yeah. First up, I meet Marcelo Mata. He's wearing safety glasses, jeans, and a striped polo. I learn he's the process engineer, responsible for scaling up Dimensional's tech, which is kind of important if they want to win the Carbon X Prize. I've talked on the phone before with Marcelo. I know he used to work at a Heineken brewery in Brazil, and is a fan of Jason's.
1: Yeah, I think. Jason has special ability to ask questions, the right questions.
0: Back to the present, the lab is not an airplane hangar. It's actually just half a room, a shared lab. It looks like your lab desk in high school chemistry gone awry. So what are we looking at?
1: Uh, so now we are just building this new reactor. It is a small version.
0: Marcelo is working at a lab table with a big blue mat, surrounded by tools, pieces of chicken wire, big gas tanks. There are also several circular metal pieces that kind of look like paperweights. I'm guessing that's one of the more important parts of the tech. Yeah. This is, um, this looks like um, visual gibberish to me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I just have no concept of what this item itself does. Marcello explains he's working on the reactor, which will eventually be part of a larger platform that will produce a fuel, specifically jet fuel, that can burn with fewer problematic emissions. Maybe one day, Dimensional will connect with an airline that'll pay this company to provide their fuel, reduce their overall emissions, change the math for the whole aviation industry, where it's not as easy as a car to just switch over to electric. To make that happen, perhaps this platform would set up next to a concrete plant or even coal plant to get carbon dioxide, eat up those dang carbon dioxide emissions, get sloshed around with fun chemicals, all powered by the sun, and create this jet fuel. Jason really believes in this strategy of carbon capture utilization as a way to battle climate change. Much like former Wyoming Governor Matt Mead, if you provide an economic incentive to reducing emissions, maybe that could move the needle pretty fast.
2: So without a utilization strategy, the models break for keeping our climate under control uh so so this company is rising to that challenge that's been called out so it's a grand challenge and a lot of these technologies are nascent they're early stage it's going to take a decade to see them go to scale but um you know we're young we'll get it done
0: for wyoming i've heard from local leaders that the timeline to see payoff for carbon capture is 2030. i wonder if a tech like this could have customers by then Be paying for emissions. A minute later, another member of the team walks into the room.
2: Hey, Brad. Hello. This is Cooper. Hey there. Cooper's with NPR. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Doing a podcast series about dimensional energy. I remember you telling me. Are you an engineer or what is? I'm a
3: Chemist. I'm the director of research, but just started. So.
2: Okay.
0: The most recent hire. Most recent hire. Brad's wearing safety goggles too, along with a gray t-shirt saying, 100% genuine, authentic scientist. And, and, and coming in new to this, to this team, what's been your impression of their approach to this? Is it more than a job? Is it, does it seem some sort of personal
3: Yeah, over um, I took this job as a, uh, because I wanted to work on this project like specifically. So I was, you know, took a a nice pay cut (laughs) and moved from, you know, sunny Phoenix to Ithaca, which occasionally I see the sun.
0: Huh? Why would someone move across the country for a job with a pay cut? To somewhere that, to him, sounds less desirable than where he was.
3: I knew that, you know, this was gonna be my baby You know, this is going to be something that I got emotionally attached to. This is going to be something that I'll be spending, you know, late nights thinking about and worrying about.
0: This company is about more to Brad than just money. It's kind of seeming like that for everyone, since the whole thing does feel far away from profit right now. Brad wants Jason as a mentor. He wants to lead the research and to make a difference in the world. Hashtag climate warriors. It seems like this, then, for you to to take a little bit of a... Of Apeka, Part of that was, was personal development and, and some sort of investment in the global implications of what this means on a large scale.
3: Exactly. Like, uh, you know, everybody wants to be able to wake up and walk into their job and be excited about, you know, what they're doing and what that might be used for. So
0: as I stand in the lab, I wonder how they're going to ever go from this, a very small scale system to a full, large demonstration in Wyoming. I expected them to be further along by now, honestly, with a move to Wyoming expected in just a few months. I've already asked Jason what it'll take for that to happen, but I haven't asked the team. Maybe they can help me understand exactly what challenges they'll need to overcome in order to go from this lab level to a massive outdoor setup like I'm envisioning. Or what have those challenges been? Or has it just been smooth, smooth sailing progress?
1: No, not always. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: mean, just yesterday we, you know, we sort of were doing some initial testing on the new apparatus, and we came across what four different yeah. design flaws that we're sort of, you know, overcoming right now. So,
0: it turns out they actually have a lot of challenges to overcome in the next few months if they're ever going to make it to Wyoming. In order for them to move from this very small lab scale to a sizable outdoor demonstration, they have to iron out a few things first. That includes the reactor they're gonna use. It doesn't exist yet, so that's kind of important. They also need to figure out how to use the sun to power their platform without overheating the whole system or wasting all the energy.
3: It doesn't help having a huge heat sink in the form of
1: 100 pounds of metal.
0: And then I learned this thing called a catalyst isn't ready.
1: So this small reactor is, to, is designed to test a new catalyst and... Uh,
0: so what is it? The, what, what the new catalyst? So, and what is the old catalyst? I, I just don't know what, it, what a catalyst looks like if it is a uh, small cat.
1: So this is the, the catalyst.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. It's cocaine, I got <laughs> it. Yes.
1: And you
2: probably don't want to sniff it though. Yeah. It would, it would really damage
0: your nose. So, you're looking for a faster photocatalyst.
2: And then we want something that uh, is cheap. And lasts longer. Cheap,
3: and it
1: lasts, it lasts, longer. lasts a long
3: time.
0: So. <laughs> so, figuring out the best catalyst is another major challenge. What is it, you may be wondering? Well, it can be a powder or algae or metal. It's anything that speeds up the rate of a chemical reaction without being consumed. Our body's enzymes, for example. Dimensionals, though, is powder. And they'll place their catalyst inside their reactor. Their CO2 will have to pass through it. This is what Jason was talking about earlier. The experiment they're doing is with a new catalyst. Maybe it'll be the best one so far and make their tech even better. Um, Are you nervous at all that the catalyst won't be at the best point by
1: XPRIZE? Yes, we gotta run a few more reactions in the lab to make sure that the catalyst is, is always the same.
0: The right catalyst has been a hard thing to nail down. And unfortunately, Dimensional lost their main catalyst researcher, Mia Wang, which also sucks because she was the only female employee. When I talked to her, she did say how much she appreciated the company though, that it was the first time she felt like she could get a bad result and not get fired. There are a bunch of reasons why carbon capture technology isn't everywhere around the world. And to me, catalysts seem like one of them. The research is still young, they're hard to nail down, and companies are all using different ones. On to the next challenge. Dimensional hasn't actually tested any of this outside, which is definitely important.
1: I think the biggest challenge for the competition is the real environment. The real environment is very unpredictable. Changing from artificial light to real sunlight is a challenge for us.
0: So the whole point of all this, remember, is to use carbon dioxide for something that'll make money, i.e. jet fuel. Incentivize the reduction of a problematic emission. But right now, they are super inefficient at doing that. Based on computer simulations, their conversion of carbon dioxide into something else is less than one percent. It needs to be way higher. <sighs> so yeah, like two hours in, I'm starting to understand why there aren't like a thousand of these companies. It's got to be a labor of love. Here's Brad.
3: I mean, we still have a lot to do. I've only been yeah. here for two weeks, but um, you know, the number of things that I now have on my plate, are this is expanding exponentially. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I am now officially doubting Jason's confidence from earlier that this tech is dialed in. Perhaps though, I just took it in a different way than he meant. Either way, this company has a lot of challenges to overcome in the next few months, if they're going to actually set up in Wyoming. Here are my takeaways after spending some time in the lab. One, there is a long ways to go before carbon dioxide can be reduced at the gigaton level from this tech which also means a long ways away from connecting to a coal plant, as Wyoming would want. As Jason says, probably around 10 years until they're out there making money. And two, this is not glamorous work. When I think of a startup, I imagine like fancy coffee machines and beanbag chairs, nice cars. Well, think again. This is slow, methodical work. Tackling a problem just uncovers new ones. Scaling up this technology isn't flashy work. It's fiddling with tech for hours on end. Another doing models on a computer. Someone else trying to raise money and keep it all going. Rinse and repeat. I spent another hour or two watching Marcelo mess around with the technology. And then I figure out there will be no experiment of their technology today. But hey, maybe tomorrow. Since coming to Ithaca, I've also wondered what Carbon X Prize means exactly to the team. Will this thing Wyoming is hosting truly advance the field forward? Does winning the competition mean their survival? Or is it just another money-raising strategy?
3: It gives us the the place, a time. It gives us a challenge to overcome, to prove that the system is going to, to work in the real world.
0: They couldn't just set up their tech on campus. So a big part of the competition isn't the money, but the space and time plus developing fast before, you know, the climate deteriorates into something unlivable.
1: I think the exciting part is make something that can really help uh, the environment in the future.
0: Jason says this competition is not a life or death sentence for the company, but it would definitely accelerate their time to get this technology to market. Winning would mean hiring more staff, getting a bigger facility.
1: So that's why we are pushing so hard. Here in the lab, and do you think with this technology you you can win? Yes, if we have a consistent work, I think we can win for sure.
0: I say not you because I know it's not the focus. Obviously, you would like to
2: win. Yeah. But it's not the goal, necessarily. (coughs) It's becoming more of the goal. Is it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Marcelo tells me that Jason is competitive, he's keeping an eye on the competition and pushing them to improve their numbers. Jason is not only convinced that they will win, but that they should win. Because while the other teams will power their systems from fossil fuels, they are planning to use solar. Which, as I talked to scientists who studied carbon capture, is pretty massive. Jason can't imagine how any other team could have a more positive impact on the climate.
2: I mean, do the math. You know, if all of our energy is coming from the sun. A renewable resource, and all of their energy is coming from this coal-fired power plant to utilize coal. They're going to have a really—I mean, unless they're unless they're just like amazing out the gate—it's going to be really tough for any of these companies to utilize more carbon than they emit to utilize that carbon.
0: At the end of episode three, you might remember that one professor couldn't figure out if the Carbon X Prize actually considered the net emissions impact of each team, and neither could I. Ellen Stetchel emphasized how important it is, though, to look at a carbon capture company's full climate impact as a system. That not all forms of CCUS help the environment equally. For months, I've been trying to nail down whether the competition considers this whole system impact approach. I looked through rules, reached out several times over the course of months, didn't hear back. Jason didn't know. But finally, I got an answer. In 2016, the competition updated their rules to include CO2 emissions assessment. But it's still not a scoring criteria. It's a pass-fail. Here's how Jason rates that. If a company can show a path towards carbon neutrality or even better, they would likely pass. So honestly, it's hard to say if the finalist with the biggest net emissions reduction would be chosen. Or if the scoring criteria comes first, which focus on economic value and how much CO2 you reduce. Plus, there may also be some discretion amongst the judges, criteria that the public can't see. I do wonder if the judges are all Wyoming folks, if they might have a clear bias. The answer, sure doesn't seem like it. Based on their bios, only two of the eight judges have a background working with coal at all. The others, chemical engineering, climate work, clean energy. One is particularly interested in alternative fuels, But even with all that said, it's not a given that Dimensional even has the largest net reduction of emissions. For Jason, though, it is the most important criteria to him. That scaled up, the company could really be a solution to climate change.
2: For us, you know, even if we utilize one unit for every 1.1 unit or, you know, 0.9 unit we emit, we're still a, a part of the solution. And I think that's like that's a really important factor for winning this competition, showing that you can do something that has a net carbon benefit. Right, not just that
0: you can create the most scalable, whatever, ready to Yeah, technology. it's not going
2: to be, like, economically viable today. That's not the point. It's right. like, can we actually reduce the amount of carbon hitting the atmosphere? That's, that concept needs to be proved at this scale.
0: In other words, Jason isn't sure they'll be the best at, say, scaling up. Maybe won't even have the most valuable product but he thinks they'll have the biggest environmental impact, so he thinks they should win.
2: We'll have a very firm case to put in front of the judges, and they'll have no choice but to pick us.
0: Mm. Well, we'll see. For now, the team is just taking it day by day, tackling each new challenge as it comes along, and raising money trying to actually afford participating at all. In fact, one of Brad's responsibilities as head of R&D Is helping get more money through the door to continue trying to develop this technology fast. Marcelo continues to tinker with the technology as Jason and Brad settle down in another room to talk money. I decide to join Jason to get an idea of what he's like as a leader. All right, so let me. Supervisor style, brutal, dictatorial. Brad and Jason are working on something called an ignition grant, one of many efforts to keep the company afloat. Just a day in the life of a carbon tech startup.
2: Ideally, we would have started like just submitting ignition grant after ignition grant like yeah, this I year. Yeah, I didn't do that. Because someone <laughs> was playing, you know, uh, maybe I'll think about working here, maybe not. I needed somebody to be on the grant. Oh, you <laughs> couldn't put Marcelo on the grant? Um, I, I just, I thought it would be better if... Uh,
0: then there's that moment where Brad realizes when this thing is due, which is super funny to me.
2: September 13th. Oh god, that
3: is tomorrow. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if we can just cut. Oh, it's tomorrow at midnight, so I got plenty of
2: time. There you of time. go. P- tomorrow midnight. <laughs> and again, like they're going to ask all the same questions that I just sent you the answers to, right? So you can just cut.
0: The meeting starts the wrap up and Brad brings up a comment he made earlier to Jason about his outfit, shorts and his zip-up jacket.
3: Before I forget, I uh, when I was talking to you about dressing up to go talk to investors, I was being facetious. Oh. I, I really hate dressing up, as you can tell now that you've oh. seen me in the lab a few much. I, I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't want you to feel like I. I constantly am berating you for being underdressed. If you're
2: if you're judging me, yeah. So, um, I got to go uh, start putting my roof back on my house. So i got to make hay while the sun shines, you know? You just live on the sun, man.
0: When we come back, I have a few more questions about Jason's roof, which, in my opinion, is the real answer to both climate change and Wyoming's economy. I kid. We actually talk more to Brad and dig into yet more challenges a company like this faces. Oh, and we should see the experiment, too. I want to recommend another show I think you'll love. Solvable is a weekly podcast where host Ronald Young Jr. asks how we can find solutions to some of the biggest issues of our time. You'll hear David Baltimore on AIDS, Sal Kahn on basic education, and Roseanne Haggerty on homelessness. Recent episodes have focused on global hunger, our addiction to fossil fuels eco-friendly transportation, and body positivity. These are the problems that seem too big or too complicated to fix. But in the hands of the right people, activists, scientists, policymakers, and politicians at the top of their fields, there are ways to solve them. That's the hopeful message of Solvable. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's day two of my visit to Ithaca. I've learned the carbon tech startup life isn't exactly glamorous. It's a workday driven by aspiration, aspiring to create a technology that's impactful to the world, one day make a dent in the commercial aviation industry, emitting more than 2% of global carbon dioxide emissions. With the help of grants and hard work, Dimensional's leader Jason is convinced they not only will, but should win the Carbon X prize and 7.5 million bucks along with it. And that'd be a huge boost, help them scale up fast and reduce carbon dioxide by the gigaton. At the same time, Jason also says how far they have to go, that they may not be the most economically viable by competition's end. For me, an outsider, it's hard to parse the confidence I hear in the potential for carbon capture, because there are always caveats. Not just from Jason, but truly everybody. It could be game-changing if, for climate or locally, for coal demand. All as the race to have an impact in both paths becomes more urgent. We hear 2030 in Wyoming to see payoff. I end up sitting down with someone here in Ithaca who seems to have fully integrated the doubt alongside the confidence in this carbon tech world. This person is actually one of the co-founders of Dimensional Energy.
4: Yeah, so um, my name is Tobias Hanard and I've been at Cornell since 2007. Time flies when you're having fun, is, is the saying. Um...
0: Before coming to Ithaca, I didn't actually know Tobias existed. I mean, I knew Jason didn't invent the technology but hadn't thought much further beyond that. Luckily, I found out Tobias was a person and that he is actually nearby on the Cornell campus. And now we sit in his large office with cloudy sunlight soaking the room. Tobias is a professor of chemical engineering. He's quiet, nice, not super demonstrative, definitely different from Jason's bubbly optimism. Tobias says dimensional has advanced in impressive ways. Even so, he has
4: some doubts. Would would we like to win? Absolutely. Do I think we have a, a reasonable chance? Probably not. I think it's a it's it's an it's a very, very formidable challenge, and I I don't think our chances of, of winning are very high.
0: I'm getting the sense that people call Tobias a realist. He sees a bunch of obstacles ahead for Dimensional. He's worried about getting the right catalyst, testing out in the field. He's worried about using flue gas directly from a power plant in Wyoming, whether impure flue gas will screw up their system. But beyond even the competition, he says it's just too early right now to say this company can work, even if it's scaled up, as it one day needs to be. Do you see it being possible and realistic to scale to an economically viable level?
4: Um. Scalability, yes. Viability, whether it's economically viable at, at scale, uh, we don't have enough data on that yet.
0: So that doubt that Dimensional can just scale up and be economically viable, that comes down to two things for him. The first is Dimensional's efficiency in creating a new product. It's way too low right now.
4: So um, Syngas, carbon monoxide and, and hydrogen, is a relatively high volume, low value Chemical, so that, um, you have to be pretty efficient at, at, at converting that. Economic viability at, at this point, I would, I would say, is, is still, you know, the jury's out on that. We don't have enough numbers at this point.
0: The other challenge to scaling up and starting to make money comes down to their whole business strategy. Tobias says they probably will have to diversify before making serious dough. Add in something more if they ever want to make good money that what they're trying to do now, of using a sunlight-driven system and creating a new product, believe it or not, isn't the most innovative.
4: If that were your only trick, right, then, then it would be a fairly sad show, because that either works or it doesn't work. And even if it does work, it would be fairly, fairly narrow on which to build a successful company.
0: That jet fuel is a good start, but they may have to even work on other products. Sort of how, like, oil isn't just burned, but used for motor oil or to make plastics. All these comments aren't just to focus on dimensional, but to give an idea of how hard it is to succeed in this tiny but growing field, where there are only a few hundred companies, with most struggling to become economically viable too, scale up, move as fast as possible to impact climate change before it's too late. After all, I'll be another one to cite it, The famous IPCC report says carbon capture, in some form, will have to do some work in removing emissions to meet those climate goals in time. And from Wyoming's perspective, move as fast as possible to give some extra value to the waste from coal plants and stop them from closing before 2030. Effectively why this one and any carbon capture company has anything to do with the state, so far away from here. My takeaway from Tobias is pretty much, you are correct, sir. Lots of promise in this field, lots of hesitation too.
4: If there were a lot of obvious money to be made with CO2, then other people would have probably already made it.
0: I head back over to Dimensional's lab to finally watch the experiment. I'm excited to see this technology actually demonstrated, perhaps even watch carbon being captured. The team is trying out a new catalyst and hopefully it'll be the best one yet. This is one of many challenges Dimensional will need to overcome if they're going to set up a much larger demonstration in Wyoming. Gentlemen. Inside, I see Marcello still leaning over the lab table, quietly fiddling with the tech.
1: Any luck? Uh, Yes, just thinking about the problems.
0: After a minute, it does not seem like any demonstration is in the works. So you're not gonna be able to
1: run the experiment today? no?
0: Maybe next week, after I'm gone. The speed at which technology develops is unforgivingly slow, it seems. What's funny, I actually spoke with Dimensional's other co-founder, David Erickson. And he says, in terms of energy systems, this company is moving lightning fast. Admitting, though, he would like to see things move even faster. David also said they would be way further along had they gotten the half million dollars like every other team. That they would already be doing field testing. Now, he just wants to win this thing even more. There's an element of me that really, really, really wants to win just to show them they were wrong. After checking in with Marcelo, I look around for Jason. But find he's not in the office, which I guess makes sense given he's not an office person. And I'm not really sure what to do, with no experiment happening or much going on. I walk around the lab for a while, and then find Brad, head of R&D, working away in an office. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you?
3: I'm good. Did you go into the lab already?
0: Brad, I learn, is working on a grant right now. Ask what he's up to for the weekend, since it's Friday.
3: Yeah, well, I'll be working tomorrow, so. <laughs> Why is that? Because this is a you know a startup is you know not a nine to five job. Our biggest cost is manpower, and so since tech startups are basically completely driven on money, cash. We're always going to be short on cash because we always need more manpower. So basically all of our manpower has to be utilized the most efficient way possible. And in most ways, that is, you know, working as much as possible.
0: Sounds stressful. <coughs>
3: yeah, I mean, it will be. And that's part of the uh, challenge of being in a startup is knowing that the startup probably comes, not comes first, but it's it's going to be on the top of your life. <laughs> We also don't have uh, an idea of what else is going to pop up, and so it's a stressful environment. In that, there's always a shortness of money. There's always a shortness of manpower because there's a shortness of money. And if you don't get either more money based on results or based on Jason pitching this to investors or whatever, and we don't get the grants that we need, you know, once that money fades away, if if we're not People working for free, then people start looking for their jobs, and then basically the whole thing falls apart. So, you know, it's always a a necessary evil of having to basically uh, spend all of your life making sure that this goes as fast as possible, because you know the best the best idea can fall apart if you go too slowly. You know.
0: Well, doesn't this make me want to work at a startup? It seems that Brad is in a similar boat to Tobias. This tank could be amazing, world-changing, change the carbon footprint of aviation, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be constant, unceasing work with questionable payoff at the end. And Brad took a pay cut to do this, moved from sunny Arizona. I wonder if he's happy he made this choice.
3: I actually, um, I'm a very stressed out, high anxiety person. And then I have to sort of relish the good parts about the job, you know, make sure that I can keep myself motivated and come in every day knowing that there's an unending amount of things to do. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a risk for me.
0: But Brad says the reward is pushing his brain to the limit, building this company up that can have an impact on the world and avoiding failure. Later that evening, I make my way to an art show. It turns out Jason's wife, Katie, has work showing there.
5: Yeah, we're at Corners Gallery, and we're in Ithaca, New York, and the name of the exhibit is Sweet Tender Love.
0: Most paintings are brightly covered. One small square painting depicts a beach town. A few have photos of her grandparents.
5: So this work is incredibly tender, and it's it's about my grandparents, and my connection with them.
0: The whole Dimensional gang is here too, all huddled together. I go over and talk to Brad, who seems a little burnt out after spending the day on this grant.
3: It has 10 different sections. So I did like 90% of it. Now I have to go finish 5% and then the last 5% Jason has to do and then he has to like read through it. And that was just making up stuff as I would.
0: Just a day in the life, I guess, At least for now, work is life. Brad's even thinking about work at an art show on a Friday night. I also meet Jason and Katie's daughter, Lucia, another redhead like me. There's definitely a camaraderie there. Ginger's know what I'm talking about. I ask her what she wants to do with her life, with an artist mom and entrepreneur dad.
2: I don't want to be an artist. I. of science and math I've been thinking about like astronomy for a few years now and like that's very fascinating to me but also like I
0: don't know like I find
2: what my dad's doing very very interesting and everything to do with like science and math is very mind-blowing
0: It's Saturday now and I don't have long before my flight back home to the open prairie of Wyoming where this technology doesn't reflect hope for the climate, but hope for Cole's continued life. There's not really time to dig into any more technical stuff, so Jason takes me on a leisurely hike in the woods before I go. It's a nice change of pace from being in the lab, and also feels more like Jason's real life.
2: I can show you what's like right behind the house from this, uh, this overlooked spot we're Cole. Going to. No, we do need to go
0: outside. We hike out to a swimming hole, It's messing with my head to be back on the East Coast. I'm getting these nostalgia flashbacks, the hiking in the woods in New Jersey, taking in the rich soil smell, the aroma of water hitting water. It's so different from the very dry state of Wyoming. I feel conflicted somehow, connected to both these places.
2: This is pretty sweet. Yeah. This is an amazing swimming hole, huh?
0: we start to make our way back. And Jason and I talk about the team, that there's so much work to do, that some folks are freaked out. Jason isn't surprised, and I learn some of it's even intentional. He struggled with delegating tasks at Comet Skateboards. He's trying to be better about that now, letting folks tackle responsibilities that seem tough.
2: Every, everybody I hire fits together well. Like chocolate chip cookie dough, man. You know, it all kind of comes together, and it tastes good.
0: Jason adds that hiring women is currently a priority as they move forward in hiring, since it is just dudes right now. If the X Prize were a marathon, Jason says they would still have a long way to go. But he's not worried, nor would I expect him to be. I, on the other hand, am allowed to worry, though. I wonder if the team will be able to overcome all the new challenges or if it'll be too expensive, too time-consuming. I wonder how other companies in this field are handling what must be a grind, if the field itself will ever jump the gap and become commercial in time to help the climate, or help extend coal's life. For now, though, we're back at the house, and I'm headed back to Wyoming, where state leaders want tech just like this so badly.
2: Ooh, look at that roof. Stunning. It does. It looks good. My hands are tingling just looking at it. <laughs>
0: oh. Next episode, Dimensional Energy might have to drop out of the competition.
2: It is a bit of a dark night of the soul kind of moment because we're like, hey, we we've, we've love doing this, but like, you know, we can't just up at all costs.
0: And we dig into the challenges of developing technology like this through a competition.
2: I think a
4: a one-winner big
2: prize is utterly silly. And if you're serious about moving that sector forward, why would you just bet on one thing?
0: The show is produced by Noah Greenspan and me, Cooper McKinn. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Aaron Jones is senior producer. Story editing, courtesy of Melody Edwards, Aaron Jones, and Noah Greenspan. We had production assistance from Micah Schweitzer and Chet Lewis. Our theme music is by Mark Juliana, with the music you're hearing now by Vegas. Find other credits online. Carbon Valley is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
2: So Cooper is a Russian spy. Yeah. He's here to rig our elections. And um, big into communism. He's trying to turn this nation upside down with his microphone.
5: And then he said, you know, hey, I have to go help somebody move for a couple hours. But then my brother's playing music at the co- Hotel Utah. Hotel Utah at the time. And right. you want to get dinner before and go hear some music and hang out. And I was like, sure. So, yeah. And my day was kind of a bummer until then. And then he showed up. And then it was like, oh, this is kind of exciting. And then he had a van. <laughs> we went out to Ocean Beach and he made me tea. Wow. At like midnight. And we had green tea and walked on the beach. And I think at that point, I was like, this guy is really trippy and super cool. Mm. (laughs) I was sold.
0: (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, and even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover Carbon Valley so we can keep bringing you stories about one state's economic future.